Well, good morning. Good to be here again. I hope you all feel the same way. No. So, Ted, today, what we're going to continue with the book of James. Um, you know, this book, all about faith and how we should live our lives and what we should be doing. Um, today's topic might be a little hard for some. Um, you know, it's all about controlling the tongue. Controlling the tongue and taming it. And doing things with our tongues that God wants us to do. Um, but first, before we begin, let, let me give you some information about the tongue. Uh, on average, the tongue is about three inches long. The longest known, known tongue is held by a man from the United States. It's three inches and 3.97 inches long. Um, there are more than 2,000 taste buds on the tongue. If you stick out your tongue and you see all the bumps, those are not your taste buds. But the, the taste buds are contained within those buds. That There's eight different muscles that form the tongue itself, much like the trunk of an elephant. And just like our fingerprints are unique, your tongue print is unique from everybody else. So, go ahead and stick out your tongue. We know Macy wanted to do that. She was already sticking it out at me. Uh, but stick it out and, and look at your neighbors. See, see how nasty and disgusting and ugly it looks. It's, it's pretty gross when you think about it. When you look at it. When you stare at it. But for all that grossness you see on the physical tongue, none that compares to the nastiness that can be voiced by the tongue. You know, how often do we hear hurtful words? How often do we hear hurtful things? Or, you know, maybe not necessarily hear them, but we see words that, that somebody wrote on Facebook or through tweets or something. You know, it's, it's a terrible thing. Um, James chapter 3 verse 6, it says, The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. What a statement that is. The tongue is set on fire by hell itself. Now many of you might be thinking, hey, not mine. Surely that's not me. My tongue is under control. I, I can handle this. But if you begin with the beginning of James chapter 3, he, go, he says, Not many of you should be teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault is what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. But we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We, turn the whole, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship, for example. Although they are large and driven by the winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, 
and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. No human being. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You see, nobody can control the tongue. When we set ourselves to conquer the tongue ourselves, we lose time and we lose energy. Take two words, for example. Yet you all know what gossip and slander is, right? But do we truly know what the Bible teaches about gossip or slander? Take gossip, for example. Proverbs 11.13 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 16.28 A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. And on the other hand, we got slander. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Slanderers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 2 through 5, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. You see, sometimes we have the knowledge, but do we put that into practice? Knowledge and practice are two different things. We can have all the knowledge in the world, but it's what we do with that. You know, I always remember that song growing up, you know, hide it under a bushel, no? You know, talking about Jesus. You know, are we going to take what we hear on Sunday mornings and not put it into practice? You know, maybe it's things like, you know, you can go to YouTube University. Anybody go to YouTube University to learn things? You know, wait, I remember going there to learn how to lay bathroom tile or... Um, you know, how, how to fix an ignition switch so that you, you can replace the key after the key's been broken off into it. You know, but what do you do with those things? Do you keep them in your memory and for later use? Or do you just throw it out? Do you put into practice what you learn? You know, maybe many times, you know, maybe in my life it was, hey, I went to school to be, you know, went to school for youth and family ministries. You know, am I putting that into practice? You know, maybe at some point, no. But, you know, here I am today preaching. Here I am, you know, usually on a Sunday morning, I'm teaching the middle schoolers. Um, You know, we're we're putting that into practice, and that's what it's all about. Is to take the knowledge that we gain and put it into practice. You know, if we go back to James chapter 1, verse 19, one of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture... You know, it says, let anyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Yet this admonition to let hearing be far greater than speaking, you know, it leads me to think that, hey, we've got all these inventions. We have microphones. We have speakers. We have megaphones. We have radios. We have televisions. We have online videos. We have various voice amplifiers. We have architectural designs so that we can hear things better. You know, we emphasize speaking rather than we emphasize hearing. We emphasize you know, hearing everything and speaking it out rather than really knowing what it means. Rather than actually putting it into practice. 
you know, what, what's been invented for hearing? You know, hearing aids. You know, just recently, you know, noise-canceling noise headphones. You know, e- even our phones are designed more for speaking than listening. You know, ask a person how to turn down the other person on the other line. Hit the volume button on the side. You know, but if you ask somebody, you know, how do you mute your own voice so the other person doesn't hear you? You know, anybody know how to do that? Well, or, you know, maybe if it, it's even, you know, you butt dial somebody and it's like, oh, no. Um, but however, you know, where we have fought and died, many people, for the freedom of speech. But no one is clamoring for laws that protect our freedom to listen. We want to we be out there speaking our minds, speaking our opinions. But are we speaking the good? Are we speaking the word of God? You know, take, take social media, for example. You know, some of the younger ones, this is right up their alley. <laughs> Got some eyes going to the younger ones. Um, but you look at it. You know, you think about it. How many people post something on social media and they think that it's not a reflection of of themselves? You know, how how many times you look at somebody and and you lead to a judgment saying, oh, they should have never posted that. You know, that's, that's not what being a Christian is about, is posting those kind of things. You know, when you post a nasty joke, a per a provocative or even bordering pornographic picture of yourself or someone else or containing some filthy language. You are announcing to everyone the type of morals that guide your life. When someone sees you and they know that you're a Christian, what's that do for your reputation? What does that do for the way they view what a Christian should be? To them it becomes a stumbling block. And Jesus said in Luke 17... That it would be better for you to have a large stone tied around your neck and drowned in the sea. Powerful words. A powerful message. Are we that stumbling block? Are we actually causing people not to follow Jesus? By our actions, by our speech, by what we do on social media. Let's try something for a moment. Think about it. If you would try to post something uh, in the filthy language department and then immediately post the words of Isaiah 53. Or what about posting a nasty joke and then immediately posting the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount? Or what about posting a near pornographic picture of yourself or someone else and then posting immediately the picture of your crucified Lord? What's that saying about you? I'm sure many of you are saying, but I don't do that. I can't do that. But we do do that. Maybe not to that extent. You know, maybe one day we post something not so nice about somebody on Facebook. Through a tweet. Through an email to somebody else. And then a few days later we're posting things of what Jesus said. What we heard about church on Sunday morning. You know, what, what, what's the difference? There's no difference. Yeah, there was some time. But during that time, did you have that repentance? Did, did you make an effort to reconcile with the other being? 
either with the Lord or the one that you caused to stumble or the one that you said nasty things about? Doesn't that make us a hypocrite? You know, what about posting spiritual quote and follow that with how you prefer to run over people or you can't stern this person or that person? Or you make a rude comment about somebody that everybody knows who you're talking about by the description that you use to talk about that person. And then you come to church on Sunday morning when you know everybody saw what you posted. And you claim, it's not a, I'm not being hypocritical. Really? I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I've never done it in my life. But we're here to gain knowledge and put it into practice. We're here to learn from our mistakes. We're here to follow what Jesus wants in our life. And if you read on in James verses 9 through 12, he addresses this very thing when he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt springs produce fresh water. When James said, this should not be, he's not saying... It shouldn't be this way, but it is. No. He's saying, don't do it. It doesn't matter if it's on social media. It doesn't matter if it's through texting, over the phone, or in person. He's saying, don't do it, period. Don't do it at all. Don't be that stumbling block to somebody else. Some of us ought to be ashamed of what is spewed out of our mouths. Some of us ought to be ashamed and cause for reconciliation, not only with the, the people around us, but also with Jesus. But, maybe, but you might say, well, that's my freedom of speech. It's my right. I have the right to speak my mind. I have the right to say whatever I want, whenever I want. But do we forget what Scripture tells us? Do we forget that God's law always trumps government law? Do we forget what it says in the book of Colossians when, when it's written, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone? Or Ephesians four twenty nine: do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others and according to, the, to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 4. Nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Proverbs 15.4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And in Proverbs 16.24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Is that what's coming from your mouth? Wholesome talk. Thanksgiving. Words that are healing to the bones. You see the scriptures are quite clear how we should act. How we should speak. But the question becomes is how do we overcome this evil? How do we overcome 
our tongue, the evil desires of this world? Well, it begins with the heart. It begins with the heart. You know, why do we so quickly turn away from God's law to our own desires? You know, if we go back to the book of James, he writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny, it or deny the truth. You see, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It comes from the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. Envy and selfish ambition sounds pretty much like the old saying, we tear others down to build ourselves up. You know, we, we tear others down to build ourselves up, to make us look better. How many times have we done that in, in maybe a job situation? Where we look for the one negative thing that our coworker is doing. And we make, make a molehill out of nothing. We make a mound out of a molehill. We make it bigger than what it really is. We tear them down, tear them down to make us look better. But even deeper than this saying, James is pointing to the things of this world. He says the things are earthly, unspiritual, demonic, from the devil. We allow the world to fill us with these things. We let the world influence us more than the Bible influence us. You know, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 15 when he says, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. But the things that come out of a person's mouth comes from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false teachings, and slander. If this is what spews from your mouth, the question becomes, what are you filling your heart with? What are you filling your heart with? Is it passages of scripture? Or is it the evil things of this world? Is it, is it the filth that we watch on TV? Is it the things that we see and come across on the internet? You see, the world has direct access into our hearts and into our homes through the use of television, internet, the social media. You see, these things themselves are not evil, but can be used for good a lot of times. But they can also change us and draw us away from God. Don't think that because you are in the privacy of your own home, that you can fill yourself and your family with whatever garbage you desire and no one will ever know. You see, for one, God knows and sees all things. And secondly, what you fill with your heart will always find its way out in what you say to and what you say about and what you say to the others around you. If you fill yourself with filth in private, you will spill the filth in public. I think another way 
probably the best way that we can control our tongue is something that we probably all know in this room. And that's being filled with Christ. Being filled with Christ. The answer to overcoming the tongue's wickedness should be obvious. It should be so simple. You know, we have passages of scripture through us. We've been going through the book of James and this whole faith and what faith is all about. If the tongue spews what the heart is filled with, then to control the tongue, we must be filled with Christ. Bottom line. We must be filled with Christ. You see, James chapter 3, verses 17 through 18 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in the peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And James said earlier about this wisdom that if we ask God, if we ask God for this wisdom, he will grant it to us generously. Yes, Paul put it this way in Colossians. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your, thing, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. Jesus said it perhaps most clearly in Luke chapter 6. A good man, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Is your mouth speaking the good? Or is it speaking the evil? Have you stored up the good in your heart? Or have you stored up the evil? You know, James says the tongue is uncontrollable by ourselves. The only way to bring it to subjunction is to subject ourselves to the only one who can bring subject to it. Jesus Christ. You see, we must be filled with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart and to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is just not a passage telling us how we should worship on Sunday mornings. You see, Paul is saying... Every day we should be filled with the Spirit. Every day we should speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Every day we should be uplifting each other, helping each other out. We shouldn't be tearing others down. We should be building them up, making them better than what they are. This is the way that we control our tongue. This is the way we put, put the leash on it, if you will. This is the way we, we pull it back in. This is the way that we, you know, correct things in our lives. It is by starting with, with our heart and how we fill it. And the bottom line is to be filled with Christ. You know, we know we're not here to judge each other. But I want you to ask yourself this question. 
What would someone else see in my heart if they scrolled through my Facebook, through my tweets, through my text messages, through the conversations that I've had with other people? What would someone else see in my heart? Would they see Christ? Or would they see something else? In the way that we betray, not betray, in the way that we portray our lives, are people getting to know who Christ is? Are our lives always pointing to Christ? Or are they pointing to something else? In a sermon that I did once, uh, what we talked about, you know, if somebody took a journey with you and, and they followed you on this journey, that they would see all your likes, all your dislikes, the things where you put your most time, money, and effort into. And those are the things that are sitting on the throne of your life. You know, is Christ at the throne? Is Christ a part of your life so much that people can see it? And that's really what it's all about. Is are we drawing people to Christ by the way that we live? You know what, when I was in high school, you know, a lot, a lot of times I got uh, asked, you know, what, what are, what's so different about you? Uh, you know, are you doing drugs? Are you on, on something? Um, you know, and, and basically I said no. You know, and they were like, well, what, what's so, why do you act the way you act? Why do you do the things that you do? You know, I was always happy and go lucky and, you know, everybody saw that. And, you know, it led into conversations of, you know, I go to church, I, I go to youth group, you know, I have this relationship with Christ, I you know, do, do these things because of what Christ has done for me. You know, and it, those conversations led to well, let, let me let me experience this. What, what, let me see what this is all about. You know, it got to the point where uh, on, a, on a Sunday night I, I was borrowing my mom's minivan to go and pick up six or seven kids because they wanted to come to church. And, you know, a lot of them, a lot of, lot of times, you know, it was fun. It was enjoyable. They, they, the seed was planted for them. You know, some of them haven't made any decisions yet, but, you know, they, they've, the seed has been planted. And, you know, is that the way that your life is? You know, are, is the good, wholesome talk coming out of your mouth? Is your tongue being tamed because of what, you, what you're being filled with? But as we close today, I, I just want you to think about that question. Is what would someone else see in my heart if they scroll through my Facebook page, my Twitter account, reread my text messages, were a fly on the wall with the conversations that I had with other people. Would they see Christ? Would your words point them to Christ? Or would it point them to something else? 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. What we thank you for the passages of Scripture in the Bible that, that teach us how to live our lives. We just pray that we can take what we heard, take the passages of Scripture, and just apply it and put it into practice in our lives. So that it's just not knowledge, but it's actually practice. That we can actually bring people to know you more because of our actions, because of our speech. Lord, we, we know that this is a tough subject and, and a touchy subject. You know, so many times we, we go behind people's backs and gossip and slander and, and try to tear people down. And Lord, we, we, we come to you asking that you just help us not to do that. Help us to just be there building and encouraging each other. Helping them through whatever they might be going through, Lord. We ultimately just want to you know, thank you for what you did for us. You know, we, we do all these evil and terrible things. But ultimately, you paid a sacrifice. And you said, I love you. And, and I'm going to, and I want a relationship with you. So you sent that, your son to die on the cross for us, Lord. To forgive us of our sins. And we thank you for that. Lord, I just ask that you be with everybody here this morning and those that were unable to be with us. That whatever's going on in their lives, whatever's going on in their families' lives, that you just be with them. Help them with whatever they're dealing with, Lord. Be with all the prayer requests that are on our hearts and minds. Be with us as we journey through this life so that we can bring more people to know you. We just love you and thank you so much for all you do for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.